Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. You take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to 1 Corinthians. Now that you've got situated and seated, I'm going to ask you to stand out of respect for the Word of God. Uh, so we'll let you uh, get a seat there just for about two seconds. All right, once you find, if you do not have a copy of the Word of God, there's a copy there provided to you in the pew in front of you. It should look like a gray color Bible. And uh, 1 Corinthians 1, if you would, take your Bible, the seventh book of the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 1. We'll look at a couple verses here in chapter 1. I appreciate the fact that we can open up the Word of God and look to what the Word of God has to say. Quite frankly, I don't want you to hear me this morning at all. And I'm going to do well to get through the message while I have this. It's, it's just tea. It's just hot tea. But uh, just uh, anyways, but I ask that you pray for me as I speak this morning. But I want you to pray that God speaks to you through His Word. I really don't want my words to, to be anything. I want God's words to be everything because He says His Word is not going to return void. My words will return void. But God's Word will not return void. Praise God for that. 1 Corinthians 1. If you would, please notice with me, it says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sothesinus, so our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father. And from the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. Notice, please, verse 5, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Let's pray, please. Would you pray with me quietly as I pray out loud? Lord, I thank you for the Word of God. And Lord, we've come now to this time of the service to hear the Word of God, and really it's the most important time. Thank you for the music thus far and how it's prepared our hearts. Lord, thank you for the people that are here to be assembled together and have not forsaken the assembling of ourselves. Lord, I thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, I thank you most importantly for your faithfulness to all of us. And Lord, how you never leave us or never forsake us. How you love us in spite of us. And Lord, how you are ever on your throne, you're alive and well. And Lord, I need you today and I pray that I am dead to myself and alive unto Christ. I pray that you would use this message. And Lord, I ask that you would just take the word of God and may it be rightly divided properly pleasing to you, God, is all I ask. I pray that I will preach for only the audience of one, and that is you, Jesus Christ. Please help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing out of respect for the Word of God. 
You know, Paul addresses this letter to the church. And it's unto the church of God. It's been said it's almost like the Apostle Paul is like a parent. And many of you are parents, been parents, and once you're a parent, you're always a parent. Some of you got that. But uh, as a parent, there's different phases and different stages of life that you experience. And one of those stages of life that I, quite frankly, do not look forward to is, is allowing my children to be sent off and to, to go to college. And, and I'm thinking about these things the older they get. And I know my son Ty is, is going to be more than likely the first because he's the oldest. And, and so I'm, I'm thinking about that and I'm praying about that and I've been praying about that. I know many of you probably have prayed even specifically for your children once the day they were born that they would come to know Jesus as their own personal Savior. And what a great prayer request that is. And then you go on and, and you pray, God, please direct them in the decisions that they're going to make. And, and, and the big decisions you, we think are, well, college and who they're going to marry and where they're going to serve God and what they're going to do with their life. And those things are important. But the Apostle Paul, is, it's almost as if he's sending a child off and maybe to college or, or military like a parent. And, and for the very first time, and the, the car is packed and, and the goodbyes are said and the tears are shed, and, and the parents, they watch the child get into the car, and he drives away into adulthood. And man, you did your best to raise him right, and you did your best to try to train him up in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And you did your best, but by God's grace, any child turns out for God, because it's not of our own doing. And so, you've tried to instill the Word of God, and you try to train them up right, and and you took them to church and you, you kept a close watch on them and, and the friends that they chose and, and the decisions that they made. And, but now the child is old enough to make their own decisions and now they're off. They're in a different place. They're going to experience different things. And they're going to have to make some of the decisions on their own. And a few months go by and, and you get the news from some of your child's friends that your child has gone away and, and they, they're not living by the moral and spiritual roots and they're not living by what you try to instill in them at, at a young age and, and try to impart into their life from God's Word. And they're gone from the truths and things that they were instilled in their life, they've abandoned. And, and so your child is losing the testimony as a Christian. And imagine with me, please, I know this is hard to imagine, but imagine with me, please, that there's no text, there's no cell phone, there's no email, there's no FaceTime, there's no get on a computer and be able to see your child, but the only means of communication is to write a letter. To write a letter. Will you write the letter? Well, depending on how much you care about the child. Did you catch that? You will write the letter depending on how much you care about the child because the news has come to you that they're not going after the things of God and, and you try to do your best and by God's grace you try to impart into them everything you could as a young age, but now they're making their own decisions. Will you write the letter? You'll write the letter if you care about the child. You'll write the letter if you care about their well-being. You'll write the letter if you care about their future. 
you'll write the letter. And now we find ourselves with Paul writing the letter. And he writes it unto the church of God. In verse 2 it says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. He immediately addresses who he's writing it to. It's almost as if, you know, the envelope says to and from. It's from Paul, the Apostle Paul. It's to the church. And it's the church at Corinth. But please notice with me, before you go to Corinth, make sure you notice it says unto the church of God. The church of God. The reason Paul is addressing this letter is he's concerned about the church and what the church has let the world do and how they've let the world creep in to the church. And today I want to speak to you about, the, they're, they're ahead of me, I guess they're ready for me to be already done, but we're, we're talking about it's a big deal. It's a big deal. That's the title of my message this morning. There we go. It's a big deal. Because it is a big deal. It's a big deal. The church is a big deal. And notice please with me verses 2 and down through verse 7. There's things that Paul is going to tell you that have only been given to you from God. Because this is a matter that it only can come from God. The church is a big deal. And maybe if you're taking notes this morning, you should be able to say it's unto the church of God. And yes, it's unto the church of God which is at Corinth, but the church is a big deal. Why? Because look at what God has given to us. It says, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified. You realize you're sanctified this morning? And then it goes on to say you're called to be saints. You realize you're a saint? You say some people act like saints, other people don't act like saints. Well, if they've come to know Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, they are a saint. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of His saints. With all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. My goodness, I'm so thankful that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. So thankful for that. Why? Everywhere. Every place. Are you with me? Verse 2, it says, Of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Notice what has come to us. Grace. Verse 3, grace. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Who did it come from? From God, from the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have grace and we have peace and it only comes from God. You and I cannot even try to touch. We, get, we can bring, try to bring grace to other people, but not to the degree that God can bring grace. We can try to bring peace. And Apostle Paul will get into that a little bit more in this chapter, but not the kind of peace that God can bring. Passes all understanding. Passes all understanding. Peace. And he says, just in case you don't realize how great grace is, notice verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God. He says it again, the grace of God. By the way, can I just stop here for a second? I didn't plan to say this to you, but what God repeats is worth repeating. And when God repeats it in His Word, it's for us to take attention to. And, you know, if you're a teacher or you're a student, you say repetition is the key to learning. Yes, God has a way of repeating things in the Word of God because He wants to, us to take them for our life. And it's important. Matter of fact, He repeats the Old Testament and the New Testament. He repeats it so that we'll get it. It'll go into our life, and so we study it to show ourselves approved And then we've been enriched. Notice, please, 
with me, verse 5, that in everything ye are enriched by Him. Ye are enriched. Yes, you're rich. You say, no, you don't know what my, my, account, my account looks like and my, my checkbook. It, no, no, no. If you have come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that is the greatest richness that you could ever experience. That is the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. And, and my, it says, in everything we are enriched, who? By Him. So that what takes place in all utterance and in all knowledge, so that our testimony of Christ is confirmed. Would you please underline that word, everything. In verse 5, that word, everything. And as you underline that word, those two words, everything, know that they came from God, and know that God is... A, is is given us everything that we need. There's no need to add to God. There's no need to take away from God. It's the church of God. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. The church of God. And notice verse 10, please. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, the Apostle Paul is not just throwing the name of Jesus Christ around. The Apostle Paul understands that when he's saying the name of Jesus Christ, it matters more than any other name that he's ever been given, whereby we must be saved. And there's no other name like it. That ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now it's been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Notice verse 13, please. The question I want to deal with today, and maybe in future times we'll deal with the other questions. There's three questions here. But the first question is, is Christ divided? No, He's not. No, He's not. Is Christ divided? God is all about unity, not division. Psalm 133.1, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. See, unity comes when the church, back to verse 5, makes everything all about God. That's when unity comes. When we take our eyes off Jesus and we take our eyes and put them on man, when we take our eyes and put, hey, is it of Paul, of Paulus, of Cephas? No, Christ is not divided. Christ did not die for you. I mean, excuse me, Christ died for you. Paul did not die for you. Are you baptized in the name of Paul? No, you're baptized in the name of Jesus. See, the difference of everything and nothing we must have our eyes on Jesus. Would you turn with me, please, to chapter 3? Keep in mind that word everything, please. Chapter 3 and, and verse 5. Chapter 3 and verse 5. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 5. Who then? Chapter 3, verse 5. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Well, I've planted. Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. That's all that matters. 
so then neither is he that planteth anything. Do you realize the difference there? Everything, anything. Everything, nothing. See, everything is God. It's not anything of us. The best Christian in this room today is the one who feels most insufficient. Because our sufficiency is to be of God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's not about Cephas. No. Is Christ divided? Did Christ die for you? Yes, He did. Was Christ crucified on the cross? Yes, He was. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No, you weren't. You are baptized in the name of Jesus. Thank God for that, because the death, burial, and resurrection can only come through the picture of baptism through Jesus and Him alone. Because the church is a big deal. It's a big deal. And it says, under the church of God, which is at Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1, it says, under the church of God, which is at Corinth. Why did Paul say it's at Corinth? Because he wanted to make sure that they knew he was writing to, to them and, and to that church and where it was located. And, and it almost would be like today, the church which is at Williamstown. The church which is at Hamilton. The church which is at, you name the location, and whatever the location might be, but it says if Paul is writing the letter to the church at Corinth so that we see it today, because it's written to the church today, it's not just written to Corinth and all, that's it, that's, that's enough. No, they're written to the church at Corinth just as much as it's written to Open Bible today. Off of New Brooklyn Road, yes. Off 1073 New Brooklyn Road, yes. In Williamstown, New Jersey, yes. 08094, yes. Here for Williamstown? Yes. Unto the church of God, because Paul is still has a message for us today, because the Corinthian world, they found themselves just like our world today. You said, no way, our world is, is worse. And I'm with you on that. But my, we better be careful that we think that the world was just so perfect back then. The world wasn't perfect back then either. The Corinthian world found themselves just like our world today, the world that thirsts for intellectualism, the world that has permissiveness toward moral standards, the fascination for the spectacular, the exciting, what everyone's doing is okay, and, and the same twist of the gospel was being made, and every, everything that can be okay, and defining the walking in liberty, and, and it's, it's about you, it's about me, it's about how you feel, it's about what you think, it's about what you want. It's not Burger King. This is the church of God. And God says it's a big deal. It's not your opinion. It's not my opinion. It's not your thoughts. It's not my thoughts. No, God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And God's ways are higher than my ways. And so that better matter to me more than anything. And so the same things are going on today. There's a huge segments of churches that are tracking with the culture. And they want to go to the far right. Or they want to go to the far left. And, and you know what the answer is? Not to look to the left or to the right, but it's to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Why do you think we have a church? Because He endured the cross. Well, we've got to get back to this. It's a big deal. And if you and I don't look to Jesus and then hold fast to the Scriptures, and, and we're going to be a slave we're going to be a slave to whatever sounds right, feels right, looks right, seems to be okay. We better be careful. It's the church of God. The Apostle Paul is very concerned about the direction of the church, not the world, the church in the world. 
John Phillips said it this way, it's not the water outside the ship that sinks the ship. The ship is designed for deep waters. It's the water that gets in the ship that sinks the ship. Oh, the question we must ask ourselves this morning, and we would do well to ask ourselves, each one of us, whether you're in a pew or whether you're standing up here like myself, is, is the world influencing me or am I influencing the world? Oh, there's a difference. There's a big difference. We are the church. Morgan says the measure of failure on the part of the church is the measure in which she has allowed herself to be influenced by the spirit and culture of the present age. Oh, Paul is going to deal with what's best to get across to this church is a big deal. The church is a big deal. Letter A, it's God's. It's not yours or mine. Now, I understand. I understand when we say, this is my church. I love our church. I love Open Bible. I love the people of Open Bible. But God loves it more. And you're gonna, I could say, this is my church, and I hope that there's people here this morning, and I'm thankful for the ones that have come and said they would come this morning, and they're here this morning. I thank you for that. I hope this becomes their church. And my prayer is that they can say, this is my church. But you know, more important than them saying, my church, and you and I saying it's our church, is this is God's church. And God owns the church. Because God took ownership, ownership of it a long time ago. A long time ago. And I don't mean to play and mess with your emotions, but if I told you right now, someone is outside stealing your car. They're stealing your car. You might not hear the alarm, because whether you have an alarm on or not, but they're stealing your car. There they go. There they go. They're taking off with it. Yeah, I see. Yep. That's your car. Yep. It's your color. I, I'm having a hard time seeing the license plate, but I know it's, I think it's pretty sure it's your car. It's your car. Whose car is it? Whose car is it? It's your car. No, please tell us. Can you give us a name? Can you give us a description? Can you give us a make and a model? Can you, can you let me know? Because so, I want to know, I want to I know if it's mine. I want to know if it's mine. I want to know, is that my car? Oh, I'm, wait a second, I'll be right back. If it's mine, I'm, I'm going to see if I can go chase them down, at least get a description of the person taking off with it, because it's my car. Oh, no, it's not your car. It's someone else's car, and so it's not that big a deal. Because once you find out that it's someone else's car, it becomes not that big a deal to you. Oh, well, whose is it? Oh, that's too bad. I'm so sorry. Huh? Oh, that's sad. I mean, maybe, hopefully you get it back. Do you have insurance on your car? I mean, maybe we can help you. I'll call the police for you. <laughs> but if it's your car, it's totally different. Why? Because you bought it, you paid for it, and you own it. Or you're still paying on it, and you want to own it. But it's yours. See, what you and I own, we care more about. I want to tell you this morning, God has ownership of the church. And you and I will answer to God for what is done in the house of God. 
and the temple of God that He has given to us. In 1 Corinthians 3.16 it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. It sounds like God takes it pretty seriously. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. What? What? 1 Corinthians 6.19 Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you which ye have of God. Ye are not your own. Why? Well, somebody bought it. There's ownership. You bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Oh, we need to be oh so careful what we allow in the house of God, what we allow in our own house, the temple of God. Because Jesus paid the greatest price. You mean to tell me that His blood matters and that's the heaviest cost? You better believe it. And if you don't believe it, it's still the truth. Please turn with me, please, to Acts 20, and I'll show you from Scripture, because what I say is not as important as what God has to say. In Acts 20, verse 27, please. Acts 20, verse 27. I'd like for you to see this for yourself, and take this home with you. Take the Bible, if you need the Bible. If you don't have one of your own, take the Bible over there in the pew, and take it home with you. We want you to read, and continue to read, and study. Notice, please, verse 27. It says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, notice, please, which he hath purchased with his own blood. It's a big deal. That's a really big deal. His blood was... One of our ordinances, the Lord's Supper, we remember His blood. It's a big deal. Verse 29, I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves. It's interesting, isn't it? Right after He says, which He had purchased with His own blood, He says, I know this, that after my departing, after Jesus' departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you. Among you, not sparing the flock. They don't care. They say they do, but that doesn't mean they do. Also of your own selves shall men arise Speaking what? Perverse things. They're not of God. It's not of God what they're saying. What are they doing? Why? How can you tell? They're drawing away disciples after themselves. After them. Are you a Paul? Are you of Apollos? Are you of Cephas? No. No. I'm of Christ. You mean this church is... Is God's church? Yes, it is. He bought it. He paid for it. He owns it. And He's the ownership of it. And so it's not yours. It's not mine. We've got to be very careful. What are they doing? Drawing away. Boy, it's so critical that we know what is God and what is not. It's so critical that we know what is of God and what is not of God. How do you know that? Well, you've got to be in the Scripture. To see if those things were so. you got to study to show that stuff to prove unto God. I want to ask you this morning, have we been given much? Oh, we've been given so much. And to whom much is given, much is required. You know, it's not just by happenstance that God has blessed this place. It has come through godly men and godly women willing to meet God's conditions for the church. And I'm so thankful 
that God has blessed this church. I'm so thankful that Open Bible is in Williamstown. At this place, at this location. But you and I have got to realize something. Just because God's blessings have come to this point does not mean that God's blessings cannot stop. Oh, we're guaranteed blessings for the future. No, we're not. And I understand when it's said the best days are yet ahead, and I believe that because heaven is bright and, and the future is bright and, 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 and I want to serve God and, and I want to please God. But you know what? If we're not going God's way and meeting God's conditions, don't expect God's blessings. Because God's blessings only come through God's conditions. You say, what are God's conditions? The Word of God is very clear. The Word of God makes it very obvious that this is the church of God. And it is God. You say, this is so simple. Yeah, we got to get back to simple. Because, I don't know about you, but I need the simple. I need the basics. we got to get back to the basics of what the Word of God has to say. Because this is what God has put in, I believe this, every word on purpose for us to have the Word of God today. And that every word matters just as much as any other word in the Word of God, as long as it is rightly divided. Better not make it say something it doesn't say. I better be careful. Because everything God ordains, Satan opposes. Everything. You mean everything is enriched by Him? Yes. We've gotten everything to us, but man, don't think yourself something, well, I planted, I watered. No, not anything. It's all God. God gives the increase. Everything God ordains, Satan opposes. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. You know how most countries fall? They fall from within. You know how most churches fall? They fall from within. That's why the Apostle Paul is so clear and no divisions among you. You better speak the same thing. You better think the same thing. You better be going after the same direction. You have the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I better make sure that I line up me with the Word of God, not the Word of God try to line up with what I'm doing. No, I better line up with what the Word of God has to say step by step by every step that matters. It's important. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. We are the church. You know, I worked with children, and, and so we're the people... Not the steeple. But what does the church look like? What does the church like look like? Well, it's God's, number one. Excuse me, letter A, it's God's. Letter B, holiness is to be the goal. Holiness is to be the goal. My dear friend, what is the church to look like? Well, Ephesians 5 tells us, and we know it as a family chapter, and it says, Husbands, love your wives. But it says, Even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Why? That He might sanctify and cleanse it. It sounds like it's to look very pure. It sounds like it's to be pure. With the washing of water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. 
Now, I ask for permission for this illustration, but as many of you know, my friend Dwight Hartman has a white sport coat. And maybe you've seen him wear it, maybe you haven't, but he makes it look good. Thank you. You can say thank you at that point right there, or amen or something. <laughs> but you know, when he wears it, I've joked with him as he's, as he's worn it at different times, and I've said, don't eat spaghetti this afternoon. Now you laugh and I laugh, but why is that? Because that's going to show up. A spaghetti is going to show up. And it's that bright white and, and just one spot on it is going to show up. You're, you know what? If you go to that white coat that he's wearing and it makes it look good, and I don't know how you how do it, but I, I wish I could do it as good as you do it, and I'd be afraid because I eat too much spaghetti, I guess. But you know what? If he had spaghetti on it, you would notice that spot immediately. Immediately. Because it's pure white. Because the standard is really high. The standard is higher than this blue coat. Because the, the spot can blend in on this blue coat. But that spot cannot blend in on that white. It's pure. It's without blemish. And what God has in mind for the church is to have the standard high. And that's why it says in verse 2, would you go back with me please to 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified. Sanctified, that means set apart. Yeah, that means different. That doesn't mean weird. It doesn't mean strange. No, it, it means set apart. It means that we're to be holy and we're to be separated ones. There is to be a difference between us and the world. And I want to ask you this morning, let's just stop for a moment. And I have to ask myself this exact same question. I will tell you that the questions that, I, that have come to me through my study, I've had to do dealings with God myself on before I'm asking you the question. But does the church look like right now? Is it based on yours and I's holiness to God? What would it look like? If it's based on yours and my holiness to God, what, was the, what would the church look like? See, the Bible says, Be ye holy as I am holy. You know, in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But in Romans 6.22, the verse before it, it says, You've been made free from sin, servants to God, fruit unto holiness. I don't know, this goes without saying, but every generation takes it lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. And so the church is only just one generation from extinction. Just one generation. That could mean one service. That could mean one year. That could mean one month. That could mean one day. That's a big deal. One man put it this way. He said there was a great king who loved his bride, and he always dressed her in the best and whitest of linen. He loved her deeply so that she would always be dressed in the simplest and most elegant white linen. She was a natural beauty. She was simple, but elegant, pure, godly. She was beautiful. She didn't need any wild hairdos or colors put on her face, no extras or no flashiness. And one day the king, he's going to go on a long journey, and he calls you and I, 
as steward of the bride. And he says, I'm going to entrust you to my bride, and I'm going to, I'm going to leave her with you, and, and I want to let you know this is a big deal to me, and, and it matters. So I'm going to be gone for a while, and I need you to take care of my bride. And would you please do this for me? Now, I, I, I've laid out a book, and every rule is, is there to keep, and, and I want nothing changed. I, I want you to, to make sure that you go by what the book really says and not try to twist it and turn it to what you think it says, but make sure that you follow what it says and you change your ways, not the other way around. And I'm allowing you to be the steward and I need you to be so faithful and to carry out what this book has to say and please take very good care of her. I care for her a lot. I, I think the world of her and I love her and, I, and it says if she's my own... Because she is my own and I'm coming back for her and she's my bride and, and, and it matters a whole lot to me and I'm going to go away, but when I come back, please let her be exactly as I left her with you. Time goes by. Culture changes all around the land and all around. And the steward starts to realize that people are losing interest in the king and doesn't matter as much and she's too simple she's too conservative she's too prudish she just looks boring and she is out of step with the times I mean something needs to change I mean something needs to happen different and so the steward thinks in his mind I I know what needs to happen I I'll speak to the bride and I'll, I'll let her know and I'll, and I'll call to her and say that I need you to do something and I, I need you to change from what you are wearing, that white and elegant dress, that godly dress, and I need you to wear something more attractive. And I need you to do this because we can reach more people if we do this. And something that will reach carnal men, and we're going to go after carnal men, so we're going to go their way. And rather than show them God's way, we're going to go the world's way. And we're going to let the world creep into the church. I'm going to paint the face, and I'm going to, I'm going to take you on a walk up and down the street, and I'm going to parade you up and down and, and see what can happen. And, and I'm going to put you on social media, and, and I'm going to make sure that you, that you look like new. And this should work. It should draw carnal, wicked men back into the fellowship with the king. And this has to work. It, it has to get a crowd. And, and by all means, we're, we're going to have another event. We're going to do another thing. And, and, and this will get another fellowship with the king. And this will draw people back to the king. They'll get it back to, you, to the king this way. My dear friend, this is exactly what countless churches have done in America. And these churches are a dime a dozen. And there's countless places and churches that have taken the bride of Christ and her magnificence and her beauty and her purity and her holiness and made a straight-up mockery of, of her. And it's all in the speech of we're going after the king. We're going after the king and we worship the king. But we dressed up the bride so carnal that carnal men and women can somehow think they are coming to God when they're under the name of worship. And on the day of judgment... Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about the atheist. Don't fear for the murderer. Don't fear for the whoremonger. You want to fear for someone? Fear for the large number of evangelicals, of pastors, of preachers, of Christians 
who have departed from the Word of God and His true teaching. Because the church of God is to be holy. And holiness is God's standard. Holiness is God's requirement. Holiness. And if we want to parade the church in a garb and a music and a lifestyle that God never intended for the church to be and wear, then you know what? God is a play. God takes it very seriously. It's a big deal. And He is well unable to bring judgment. He's well unable to shut the doors. He's well unable to not have anyone come. He's well unable to write Ichabod. He's well unable to, like the church of Ephesus, like the church of Laodicea, they're rich, they need of nothing, the wealth and the culture they're focused on. But Christ stands outside the door knocking, I want to be in. Would you please let me in? I stand here and I knock. And that's Christ. That's God that wants in the church. And Ephesus, their works, their labor, their patience, what they're doing, they said it's for the namesake, and they labored, and they're, and they're not fainted, and they thought it was good. And God says, I got something against you. You left your first love. You left your first love. See, holiness is to be the goal. Holiness is to be the goal. And secondly, please, would you notice with me, please? God's glory is the purpose. You say, man, you seem like you're a little riled up. You seem like you're a little stirred up. I am. It's a big deal. You know, better fellowship with God comes with a better relationship with God. May we be what we are called to be. In verse 2 it says, Them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints. We've got to just get back to what we're called to do. We're called to be saints. And our testimony is confirmed. In other words... Our practice should match our position in Christ. And so that we come behind in no gift, verse 7, so that we're blameless, God is faithful. And then would you, with me, please turn to Ephesians, Ephesians 1. And I simply would just like to read down through this passage of Scripture and let it speak to you. As it's spoken to me, I pray it will speak to you. Ephesians 1. And we'll find ourselves back in just the last few verses of this chapter of 1 Corinthians after we read this, and then I'll ask you what the Lord has spoken to you about. But Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1. Now, why is it worth it, you, worth it that you get up there and you get all sweaty and you get all stirred up? Because it's a big deal. It's a church of God. This is God's. It's not yours. It's not mine. We better not mess with it. Holiness is the goal. God's glory is the purpose. Ephesians 1, verse 3, says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's blessed us with our spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, 
having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him, who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward, who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead, and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. Wow. There's a lot going on here. Far above all principality and power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And He hath put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the... Huh. Wow, it's a lot to be given. To the church. To the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. And so we find ourselves to the church. Why? Because in 1 Corinthians 1, when you look at the verse 30, excuse me, verse 29 and verse 30 and 31 of 1 Corinthians 1, and we'll finish here this morning. It says the word no for a reason. It doesn't say yes. In verse 29, it says that no. Not that yes, flesh. No, it says no flesh. That no flesh should glory in His presence. No flesh. No flesh. No flesh glory. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, of who is God, made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Why? 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 Why wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption? Those are big words and they, they come with big meanings. They're big things. They're big deals that God has given to us. Why? Verse 31, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord, not himself, no flesh, not a Nothing. Not at all. No flesh. No flesh. 
No, no, no flesh. No flesh should glory. Because it's been given unto who? Well, it's been given unto us. God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Our practice should match our position. And God has given us a whole lot in the position of Christ, sanctification, redemption, glorification, holiness, wisdom, righteousness. There's a lot that's been given to us, so much so that the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, I just want to let you know you've been given grace, you've been called to be saints, you're sanctified, you've been given peace, and everything, just in, matter of fact, just in everything, let me just cover it all, in everything you are enriched by Him. And it's as if we can't say, oh, I planted and I watered, and, and no, not in anything. It's all God. God gives the increase. And so here's what it comes down to. Glory is, and I had to learn this recently even, I used to say, glory is making God look good in your life. No, 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 no. I was wrong. I was wrong. Glory is making God look the best in your life. And God has taught me that recently. See, when others see us, they should see the character of God in us. So glory is not just making God look good. Glory is making God look the best. I wonder this morning, do you realize the church, it's God's? Do you realize holiness is to be the goal? Do you realize that the purpose is to be God's glory, it's no flesh? Do you realize that we can make God look the best in our life? And my, when that happens, what God can do with this church. Yeah, it was written to Corinth, but this is also written for us today. So that it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.